Welcome to the Daily Devotions Podcast from Confident Faith. I am Corey J. Mahler, a contributor here at Confident Faith, and I will be your reader today. This fifth Thursday after Epiphany, the 8th of February, in the year of our Lord, 2024, in the time of Christmas. There are no feasts, festivals, or commemorations on the calendar today. Our readings for today are Psalm 69, Psalm 122, Job chapter 5, verses 1 through 27, John chapter 2, verses 13 through 25, and paragraphs 1 through 9 of Article 4 of Part 2 of the Small Cult Articles. We will close, as always, with the Lord's Prayer. Today's first reading from the Psalter is the 69th Psalm. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire, where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters, and the flood sweeps over me. I am weary with my crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. More in number than the hairs of my head are those who hate me without cause. Mighty are those who would destroy me, those who attack me with lies. What I did not steal must I now restore. O God, you know my folly. The wrongs I have done are not hidden from you. Let not those who hope in you be put to shame through me, O Lord God of hosts. Let not those who seek you be brought to dishonor through me, O God of Israel. For it is for your sake that I have borne reproach, that dishonor has covered my face. I have become a stranger to my brothers, an alien to my mother's sons. For zeal for your house has consumed me, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. When I wept and humbled my soul with fasting, it became my reproach. When I made sackcloth my clothing, I became a byword to them. I am the talk of those who sit in the gate, and the drunkards make songs about me. But as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord. At an acceptable time, O God, in the abundance of your steadfast love, answer me in your saving faithfulness. Deliver me from sinking in the mire. Let me be delivered from my enemies and from the deep waters. Let not the flood sweep over me, or the deep swallow me up, or the pit close its mouth over me. Answer me, O Lord, for your steadfast love is good. According to your abundant mercy, turn to me. Hide not your face from your servant, for I am in distress. Make haste to answer me. Draw near to my soul, redeem me. Ransom me because of my enemies. You know my reproach, and my shame and my dishonor. My foes are all known to you. Reproaches have broken my heart, so that I am in despair. I looked for pity, but there was none, and for comforters, but I found none. They gave me poison for food, and for my thirst they gave me sour wine to drink. Let their own table before them become a snare, and when they are at peace, let it become a trap. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see, and make their loins tremble continually. Pour out your indignation upon them, and let your burning anger overtake them. May their camp be a desolation, let no one dwell in their tents. For they persecute him whom you have struck down, and they recount the pain of those you have wounded. 
Add to them punishment upon punishment. May they have no acquittal from you. Let them be blotted out of the book of the living. Let them not be enrolled among the righteous. But I am afflicted and in pain. Let your salvation, O God, set me on high. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord more than an ox or a bull with horns and hoofs. When the humble see it, they will be glad. You who seek God, let your hearts revive. For the Lord hears the needy and does not despise his own people who are prisoners. Let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and everything that moves in them. For God will save Zion and build up the cities of Judah and people shall dwell there and possess it. The offspring of his servants shall inherit it, and those who love his name shall dwell in it. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forevermore. Amen. Today's second reading from the Psalter is the 122nd Psalm. I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Their thrones for judgment were set the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls, and security within your towers. For my brothers' and companions' sake, I will say, Peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forevermore. Amen. Today's Old Testament reading comes from the book of Job, and we will be reading the fifth chapter, verses 1 through 27. Call now, is there anyone who will answer you? To which of the holy ones will you turn? Surely vexation kills the fool, and jealousy slays the simple. I have seen the fool taking root, but suddenly I cursed his dwelling. His children are far from safety, they are crushed in the gate, and there is no one to deliver them. The hungry eat his harvest, and he takes it even out of thorns, and the thirsty pant after his wealth. For affliction does not come from the dust, nor does trouble sprout from the ground, but man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. As for me, I would seek God, and to God would I commit my cause, who does great things and unsearchable, marvelous things without number. He gives rain on the earth, and sends waters on the fields. He sets on high those who are lowly, and those who mourn are lifted to safety. He frustrates the devices of the crafty, so that their hands achieve no success. He catches the wise in their own craftiness, and the schemes of the wily are brought to a quick end. They meet with darkness in the daytime, and grope at noonday as in the night. But he saves the needy from the sword of their mouth, and from the hand of the mighty. So the poor have hope, and injustice shuts her mouth. 
Behold, blessed is the one whom God reproves. Therefore despise not the discipline of the Almighty. For he wounds, but he binds up. He shatters, but his hands heal. He will deliver you from six troubles. In seven no evil shall touch you. In famine he will redeem you from death, and in war from the power of the sword. You shall be hidden from the lash of the tongue, and shall not fear destruction when it comes. At destruction and famine you shall laugh, and shall not fear the beasts of the earth. For you shall be in league with the stones of the field, and the beasts of the field shall be at peace with you. You shall know that your tent is at peace, and you shall inspect your fold and miss nothing. You shall know also that your offspring shall be many, and your descendants as the grass of the earth. You shall come to your grave in ripe old age, like a sheaf gathered up in its season. Behold, this we have searched out, it is true. Hear, and know it for your good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's New Testament reading comes from the book of John, and we will be reading the second chapter, verses 13 through 25. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons, and the money changers sitting there, and making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple, with the sheep and oxen, and he poured out the coins of the money changers, and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, Take these things away, do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, What sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It has taken forty-six years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them, because he knew all people, and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's reading from the Book of Concord comes from the Small Cult Articles, and we will be reading Part 2, Article 4, Paragraphs 1 through 9. Article 4, The Papacy The Pope is not, according to divine law or God's word, the head of all Christendom. This name belongs to one only, whose name is Jesus Christ. The Pope is only the bishop and pastor of the church at Rome and of those who have attached themselves to him voluntarily or through a human agency, such as a political ruler. Christians are not under him as a lord. They are with him as brethren and companions, as the ancient councils and the age of St. Cyprian show. Today, though, none of the bishops dare to address the Pope as brother, as was done in the time of Cyprian. 
Even kings or emperors have to call him Most Gracious Lord. We will not, cannot, and must not approve this arrogance with a good conscience. Whoever wants to can do it without us. It follows that all the Pope has done and undertaken from such false, mischievous, blasphemous, and arrogant power are devilish affairs and transactions, with the exception of what relates to the secular government, where God often allows much good to be done for a people, even through a tyrant and scoundrel. The Pope does this all for the ruin of the entire holy Christian Church, so far as it is in his power, and for the destruction of the chief article about the redemption made through Jesus Christ. For there stand all the Pope's bulls and books. He roars like a lion in them, as the angel in Revelation 12 depicts him, crying out that no Christian can be saved without obeying him, and being subject to him in all that he wishes, says, and does. All of this amounts to nothing less than this. Although you believe in Christ and have in him alone everything you need for salvation, yet it is nothing and all in vain, unless you regard me as your God and be subject and obedient to me. It is clear that the Holy Church has done without the Pope for over five hundred years at least. To this day, the churches of the Greeks and of many other languages neither have been nor are presently under the Pope. Besides, as is often remarked, the papacy is a human invention that is not commanded and is not necessary but useless. The Holy Christian Church can exist very well without such a head. It would certainly have remained pure if such a head had not been raised up by the devil. The papacy is also of no use in the church, because it exercises no Christian office. Therefore, it is necessary for the church to continue and to exist without the pope. Suppose that the pope would yield this point. He would not be supreme by divine right or from God's command. But just because we need a head, to whom all the rest cling in order to preserve the unity of Christians against sects and heretics, suppose that such a head were chosen, and that people had the choice and the power to change or remove this head. The Council of Constance nearly adopted this course with reference to the popes, deposing three and electing a fourth. Suppose, I say, that the Pope and see at Rome would yield and accept this, though this is impossible, for then he would have to let his entire realm and estate be overthrown and destroyed, with all his rights and books, which, to put it briefly, he cannot do. Nevertheless, even if this were done, Christianity would not be helped, but many more sects would arise than before. People have to be subject to this head, not from God's command, but from their personal good pleasure. Such a head would easily and in a short time be despised, and finally not have any members. The head would not have to be forever confined to Rome or any other place. It might be wherever and in whatever church God would grant a man fit for the office. Oh, how complicated and confused that would be! The church can never be better governed and preserved than if we all live under one head, Christ. All the bishops should be equal in office, although they may be unequal in gifts. They should be diligently joined in unity of doctrine, faith, sacraments, prayer, works of love, and such. According to St. Jerome, this is how the priests at Alexandria governed the churches, together and in common. So did the apostles and, afterward, all bishops throughout all Christendom, until the Pope raised his head above all. This concludes our reading from the Book of Concord.
I now invite all of you to join me in reciting the Lord's Prayer, one of the most ancient prayers of the Church. I do encourage you to say it aloud if you are somewhere it would be reasonable to do so, but praying it silently is, of course, also fine. The Lord knows what is in your heart. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace and grace to serve our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in whatever calling has been given you, or task set before you. Until tomorrow, God be with you.